Hey everyone, welcome back to Real Things Podcast. My name is Caitlin, and as always, feel free to email realthingspodcast at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or insight that you have on today's episode. Okay, so just a little preempt. I just recorded basically like 10 minutes of this episode, but then my roommate came home and went to go shower and I felt awkward so then I had to stop recording and then I found I deleted all of it so I'm gonna try this again but to be fair my first recording was not the best and it was just a mess so hopefully this one's better no promises but we'll see okay so first before we get into what I wanted to discuss in this episode I wanted to really because I'm very passionate (laughs) is a good word to put um, or a good word to describe it for this particular topic. Um, so I get a little heated and I get a little argumentative and like very, mm, a lot. Anyway, I wanted to give a little update or a little catch up on where I'm at because I know that I said I was going to start doing these episodes like on a regular basis again, but I'm the worst and I didn't. So here's where we're going to start. I'm going to give a little update. I'm going to tell you what I've been doing, what my goals are for this year, because that's like a thing that we all do, and then I'll get into the topic. So my updates for you guys, I'm starting my own business. I'm not really going into what my business or my business is yet. Um, maybe I've already explained it on here. If so, then you already know, but um, basically I have an Instagram account. It's for a business that's going to be based here in St. Louis, and I'm going to focus on making it basically to help other small businesses or business owners take off with their business and help them grow. That's my end goal. That's my end game. But um, I'm going to try not to say too much about it because I don't want anyone out here getting any ideas, but um, it'd be like that. So I'm very excited because I've come up with a business plan. I've transformed that into a PowerPoint that I can send out to possible vendors or business owners and try to explain to them what my goal is. And right now I'm starting small to try to build a following on Instagram. And then I'm going to hopefully build up from there. Sorry, I talk way too fast, but my heart's like racing right now. So we'll just keep going. Um, I've been watching a lot of Shark Tank with um, Harrison lately. And with that being said, I've been trying to up my game and see what works, what doesn't work for other people. Um, I know everyone's different on Shark Tank and their businesses are different, but seeing what's needed and the jargon that's used and when I'm asking for an investment, hopefully one day, or maybe never, hopefully I don't need an investment, investment, but if I were to ask for one, how would I go about it and what answers um, to questions I would need to have ready Um, That kind of stuff. So it's been a whirlwind because me being an education major, not a business major, I was able to write a business plan. I don't really know, like, I don't really exactly know how good my business plan is or if it's awful or what, but I can only hope for the best and that is all. Um, So I'm really excited to kick off this year with a brand new idea and seeing what, you know, what comes out of it because right now I'm starting to build a following and it's exciting um but yeah we'll see where it goes um I 
I've also been very motivated, but not motivated lately. I don't know what it is. Like I have so many things on my to-do list and like, you know how everyone feels like this like big burst of energy or like drive at the beginning of like the new year. I didn't have that this year and I don't really know what it is, but um, I think I'm just kind of like waiting for that little burst of energy to pop in. Um, I'm trying to, because I froze my gym membership this past couple months, I'm trying to wait for that to be unfrozen because for some reason club fitness is being weird. I don't really know. And I'm going to try to unfreeze that and then start going back to the gym in January. Um, and trying to go back to my classes that I was very excited about. Um, I miss my instructors and just being in shape and being happy with, you know, getting all the energy that I have out. And I'm going to try to get back into playing the drums. It's something that I want to start back up again because I thought it was a great idea. And it, I just have like a drum set sitting in the middle of my room or like a MIDI kit, which basically means like it's a drum set, but it's got mesh pads and or mesh um things on it instead of the normal drum set would have and yeah but I'm trying to focus on basically doing things to help build you know my drive and help like my focus be refined on what I want to do or what I like to do and then keep going with that sorry I'm trying to record this and I'm getting a FaceTime from Claire Claire, stop. Um, I went to the bookstore with Harrison the other day, and I picked out a bunch of books. Um, one's called Untamed by Glennon Doyle, and I feel like a lot of people that do self-care or, like, that, you know, read about self-care know what that book is. Um, and Atomic Habits, that's also a really well-known one as well. I'm really excited to start reading those. Um, I'm been tr- I've been going to therapy, and I'm very open about that. Um, I'm very happy with my counselor, but at the same time, I feel like there's other things I can do to help with my focus and my um, my mindset. And then there's also this one, if you go to therapy, or not even if you go to therapy, but if you focus on your, excuse me, <laughs> your mental health, you'll know what Headspace is. Headspace is an app that basically has a bunch of things to help, like, refine and help with your meditation and mindfulness and to really just dive in deep with yourself and what like practices that you can do to help yourself and give you I don't know like tools to basically help you with your head your mind your brain so this one book I have is by the creator of Headspace Andy Puddycomb Puttycomb? Yeah. And it basically, I haven't even read it, but it's a book about meditation, but not as we know it. Um, it's basically supposed to like help you like with 10 minutes a day. Like it makes all the difference. I have the Calm app still that I have been wanting to try to do on a daily basis for 30 days because I'm trying to build that habit of having meditation that I like daily like I use daily to help basically like refocus my brain and clutter or declutter all the extra shit that goes on my brain and like I've know I've talked about this many many times 
on here too, that, you know, meditation is key. And even my therapist or my counselor, whatever you want to call her, she has told me that her clients, like after 30 days of meditation, have seen a drastic difference in their mindset and their mindfulness and like they're happy and they have control over all those extra thoughts that just like climb into their brain unwanted. And I want to have that, you know, control and build that. So that's one of the other books I bought. So those are three out of the five. Um, another one is Get Your Shit Together by Sarah Knight. Um, basically, it's how to stop worrying about what you should do so you can finish on what you need to do to start doing what you want to do. Um, I know that's a mouthful. But she has a basically a big um, series of books that help with like basically like having no Fs given, that kind of thing. And I love that mentality and I want to have more of that in my life where I don't care about every single detail that's surrounding me. And I feel like I've done so much better with that, but it's still something I can work on on a daily basis. The last book I have is Rethinking Success by J. J. Douglas Holiday, And it's the eight essential practices for finding meaning in a work life or in work and life. I'm sorry. But that's basically to help me. I liked the the line that, or like the quote that's on the back. And it's, how to succeed without losing your soul. Does success in our professional lives lead to happiness? Our meaning and purpose, even attainable, are the last moments when we find out the, are our last moments when we find out the why. That kind of stuff. So basically finding true success rather than just having, you know, this pile of money in front of you and saying, oh, I'm successful and how to find it, attain it and well, never let it go, I guess, because I always feel like I am not doing enough. I feel like I'm always on the cusp of where I should be. I feel like I always give up on myself right before I start actually making a difference and it's messed up and I don't want to have that mindset anymore. So I'm trying to just redirect it and focus it on things or ways that I can help myself and help others and to turn that into motivation. Because I remember I did a episode on bubbling your fears. And if you listen to that episode, I talk about, you know, in meditation, they tell you, that any like intrusive thoughts that come into your brain while you're meditating, you're supposed to just like basically like bubble them up and let them float away. Like put them on the back burner. Don't let them get to you. That kind of thing. And I love that. And I try to practice that, but I also needed focus on doing that with 30 days of meditation in a row to build that habit because I've totally been off track with that. I've been a lot better mentally in the last couple months than I have been in a long time. Um, and that's exciting, but I definitely still, there's always something you can do to work on yourself or there's always something you can do to, you know, make it better for yourself and easier for yourself. And I definitely want to master that. I want to have that ability to help myself and help others. So if you, or you know, someone that struggles with any of the things I talk about, please feel free to, you know, reach out to me if you need it. Or if you have questions, absolutely. I'll be at, I'll be grateful and happy to answer them for you. Um, just email Real Things Podcast, or you can just message me if you have me on social media or have my number. Um, 
The last book I bought, I forgot I bought this other book, was an Ultimate Word Search book. I literally bought this for $10 because it was on, like, a discount rack. But um, I love word searches and, like, Sudoku puzzles. Those are, like, my favorite. I have a Sudoku app on my phone, and I have the word search book now um, that I'll just... It's a massive book, like, huge book of, like, over 450 word searches. It's just something to, like, kind of, like, take the edge off your brain a little bit. But, um... I don't know. I like word searches. I like Sudoku. I like, I hate crosswords though. Absolutely hate them. I thought that, that, I've always thought that they were like the hardest mind puzzle or like brain puzzle out there. And I just, oh, I absolutely hate them. But yeah. Woo. So, um, yeah, I feel like that's all. I'm trying to think. Oh, I recently went through my closet. One of my biggest things that I wanted to do this year was to go through my closet and get get rid of all these clothes that I never wear and to purge basically all the stuff that's in my room. Um, under my bed especially, I have like 30 blankets under my bed that were just sitting there that I never even touched. Um, if you're like me, I like blankets. I like pillows. I like to be covered by like fluff and just all this extra warmth um so I have like all these blankets because people kept giving to the, giving them to me as gifts and I'm literally donating almost all of my blankets except maybe like a select few to a dog shelter because I need or I want to give back and I have you know 30 plus blankets that I just don't use so I'm giving them up um and then I'm going to be selling a bunch of stuff on Mercari and Depop. Not that I have any clothes that would make it on Depop. And there's another one, too. Let me see. Oh, Poshmark, I think, too. And then Facebook Marketplace. Maybe I'll make, like, an Instagram for, you know, a closet or some shit. Because I just want this stuff gone. And I want to make money for it because I'm sick of donating to Goodwill and then other people making mon money off of it and then me just, like, kind of sitting in the dark and, like, you know, I just, I mean, I, it feels good to donate. Don't get me wrong. But like if I can make an extra 30 bucks off the stuff that's just sitting under my bed or like in my closet that I never wear or touch, absolutely. I should be doing that. Right. Um, yeah, hold on. I'm going to respond to Claire really fast. Claire, if you're on here, you're being, but I, I'm making a podcast. Okay. Anyway, um, trying to think, trying to think, trying to think. <sighs> she totally lost my train of thought. Thanks, Claire. It's all your fault. Oh, I want to get into my topic. Okay, my topic is kind of due to two different incidents, both at my new job that I have because with COVID, I lost my, or I was furloughed from my position at the Hollywood Casino Theater, so I was nannying for a bunch of different people and babysitting and all that kind of stuff, and so now I work at this, um, at this store in the mall, and that's as far as I'm going to go, but basically, I'm trying to use these two situations that I saw and direct it, and at first, I was heated. When these two situations happened, I'm not even going to lie, I was, like, mad, and I was ranting about it to my coworkers, who probably think I'm batshit crazy at this point, because they've only known me for, like, three months, going on four, but I kid you not, this shit makes me heated. All of it. So, 
who okay when i talk about this stuff i don't mean it in a direct or like a mean way i don't i'm just when i get in this kind of mindset like i just get very passionate and i just get very like loud and a lot and it's fine but i'm it's all good like it's it's fine um i didn't mention anything anything to these two people or like the people that were in the situation it was just something i noticed okay so who um yeah i'm going to just bring up the first one and we'll go from there i'm trying to like not get upset about it or like not upset but like driven about it just yet so the first situation happened about mm, three weeks ago three weeks before christmas i want to say and it was this mom that came in and said something to the daughter or like to the other parent that was with them there was two like grandmas or parents or whatever and like this teenage kid the teenage kid was shopping around and like trying things on um in this store and the parents or the grandparents or whatever, they said, oh, that's, like, too baggy. Like, you look, like, messy or you look, like, you don't look good, like, basically is what they were saying. And I'm just like, okay, but – and I've I've mentioned this to parents before. Um, and this kind of leads into the other story, too. But I had another parent go up into the dressing rooms or, like, you know, watch – or waiting for their kid to get out of the dressing rooms – And, like, I'm just saying, like, you know, like, I'm helping the kid out because I feel like the kid is just getting, like, reamed on both ends. And the kid is basically, like, dressed up, like, in this oversized sweater and leggings. And the mom of this parent, of this kid, I get it. She's the parent. I'm not trying to overstep or whatever. But I overheard it and I kind of just, like, interjected my comments and my opinion jokingly, lightly. But then she kind of gave me, like, sass about it. And then I just stopped and I walked away. So this girl had leggings and, like, a big sweater on. This is, like, the second story. Um, And the mom was like, oh, you need to find something that looks, you know, that would go with jeans. Like, you need to wear jeans. Like, leggings are, like, you know, you, you always wear leggings. Stop wearing leggings. She just wouldn't, like, hype or, like, stop harping on her daughter. And so then I was like, leggings are basically all I live in. I said this to the mom. And the mom's like, well, right now you're wearing jeans. I'm like, yeah, I wear jeans because that's what my job requires me to wear. And she's like, see, like, basically just being snotty and, like, didn't want to take what I had to say lightly. And then I just kind of walked away. And I'm just like, okay, bitch, like, whatever. But the point and the moral of these two stories I feel like parents get super offended when their kids don't want to talk to them or are being distant from the family or they get ridiculed or made fun of by other family members whenever they are just trying to live their life. They're fitting in with their society, with the people that surround them and, you know, they get ridiculed for it and then they wonder, the parents wonder why the kids aren't involved in their life or the kids don't want to, you know, leave their room or seem down or sad or try to seek help and attention from others like medication and therapy and all that. I'm not saying it's like that drastic, like those, those kind of comments, but taking from personal experience, 
I know for a fact that it's not ideal to have parents judge, ridicule, or make comments about what you wear, what you say, what you eat, your career path, your grades, your choice of friends, relationships with others, like any of that. So to me, if like you're a parent and you're making those kind of comments and you're expecting your child to come running into your arms with like loving, you know, affection or whatever, I think you're in the wrong. I do. Um, Let me try. I wrote all these notes down, so I'm going to try to explain this as best as I can. So refreshing, restarting, like starting all over. I'm going to ask a couple questions. And if you're a parent or if you're a kid of a parent or whatever, which everyone should be, um, I'm going to ask you these and I want you to just think about them in your own brain and go from there. Do you as the child or does your child hide, I'm using air quotes, in their room? That's question number one. Question number two is, does your child or do you as the child seem down or sad often? Okay. Last question. Do you, the child, or do you, your, does your child try to seek help or attention, like by trying to talk to you or asking if they can have a therapist or a counselor? Or do they go to the nurse at school pretty often or the counselor at school pretty often? Do they ask for medication or do you know if they smoke weed or have been interested in those kinds of things? Okay. So now I'm going to ask you as the parent. That was for the child. This is for the parent now. These are different questions. Do you, the parent, or does your parent over-invade or the complete opposite? Do they kind of neglect you? Whether you're just... The middle child, the oldest, the youngest, are you neglected or do they over invade and like shelter you and like constantly, I don't know, make you feel like you're being cla- claustrophobic or make you feel like claustrophobic, that kind of thing. Do they over invade or do they neglect or do you feel any of those? Okay. That's, that's the child. Do you feel like you're being over invaded or neglected? By your parent. Okay, next question. Does your parent, or do you as the parent, make comments on what your child does, eats, says, wears, or their career path choice, their grades, their friends, or their relationships with others? Do you make comments? Do you harp on them? Do you judge them? Do you tear them down? Okay. Do you hold things over their head like college payments or tuition or what they quote unquote owe you? Like parents, do you do that to your kids? Do you say well in my house or well in my under my roof? Those kinds of things. Okay. Um, do you build anything or do anything to build? build distrust or tear down um, their security wall to make them feel insecure or to give them depression or anxiety. Okay. Last one. Do you play favorites with your kids? It's okay to admit to any of these things. Um, Honestly, like in your head, 
I think it's most important to realize the truth in these statements and to stop lying to yourself more than lying to others or telling others, I don't do that when in fact you do and it's very obvious by everyone else around you and you just need to stop. Here, here's my, here's my, my take on things. It's always easier to point the finger or to avoid than it is to admit. And that's totally fine. That's kind of expected. Um, a lot of parents, I never really hear them ever say two words to their kids. And these two words are, I'm sorry. And it's kind of upsetting. Like, you know, my parents always told me, and like, I've just come to terms with it. Like, I love my parents for who they are and they know that. But they've, they've always been the ones that said, oh, you need to say thank you. You need to say you're welcome. And you need to say I'm sorry. Or you need to say, I, like, I messed up. Like, those, those kinds of things. They always told me to say those things, but they never modeled that for me. They never showed that to me or did those things themselves to anyone ever. It was always someone else that was to blame. But when I blamed them or blamed someone else, then it then they pointed the finger back at me and they're like, no, it, it was you. Like, you're the reason that that happened. Or no, that was your fault. And I have been known to trauma bond with people. So I basically have a lot of PTSD trauma, like whatever, like very minor. But I can relate to others that have that same stuff very easily. Um, I had a bipolar parent and I had a parent with, you know, father issues. I had a parent, actually both my parents, now I think about it, have father issues or parent issues and were kind of like left in the dark most of their childhood, like most of their childhood. And it's okay. I Like everything's fine, but I've noticed that parents like are so quick to call judgment or to offend or to point fingers, but never willing to point that finger back at themselves and say, you know what? I messed up. I'm sorry. And, you know, I shouldn't have acted that way. Like, just like, think about it. If you ever yell at your kid or if you ever have a conversation with your kid and they, you can see that they just shut down or that there's just no, like, none, no, like, I don't even know. Like, they've checked out, basically. They, they aren't listening to you anymore. You are just basically talking to a blank wall. I highly encourage anybody like that's in that, you know, position as a parent to just take a minute, like take a breather and restart, like refresh and be like, Hey, you know what? I'm sorry. Because guess what? Your child is a person and they're going to be an adult and one day they're going to be able to talk and act just like you. And a lot of kids, and I know a lot of parents can attest to this, never want to be just like their parents. In fact, they probably want to be the complete opposite. And that's just facts. That's just society that's normal. But you also have to learn from what your parents did wrong and think about it, like, as a parent right now, or if you are wanting to be a parent or whatever, do your parents apologize to you? Did they ever apologize to you and say the words, I'm sorry? Not like, oh, like, you know, I shouldn't have done that. But the words, I'm sorry, have those words ever come out of their mouth? And if they did, like, kudos to them. That's awesome. But at the same time, I've 
rarely ever heard parents say, you know what? Hey, I'm sorry. And saying, I'm sorry, like this phrase, I'm sorry you feel that way. Uh. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry you feel that way. Isn't is not, uh, I'm sorry, is not an apology. Saying, I'm sorry that I made you feel that way. That's a valid apology. You can't apologize because of someone else's feelings. You can just say, I'm sorry if I made you feel that way or if I came across that way to you or if I upset you or if I hurt you. Um, I love you. I care about you. I appreciate you. Like I live for those words and I know a lot of other people, especially parents now, should be saying those things to their kids in order to build that strong relationship. You know, me and my mom, it's it's taken us 23 years and we're better than we have been in a long time. We had like a like a year or two where we had like basically like little to no communication and you know, that's our own issue and we've come across to that, but I've come to the conclusion that like my parents will never apologize for what they do. Um, sometimes I've called them out on things and then they kind of like, you know, make excuses for it, but they know that they're in the wrong and that's all that I, I can do, you know? Um, and if you're a parent to a 20 something year old, it's never too late to apologize to your kid. Not ever. Like if you've come like to the point where you're like, oh my gosh, like I've screwed up as a parent or, oh my gosh, I wish I would have done this differently. Then I highly encourage you just do that and change it and, realize that your behavior or like their behavior, I mean, not every kid is respectable and I get that. Not every kid is willing to have a discussion or is willing to sit there and listen to you for X amount of minutes. And I know it's not just the parents' fault, but at the same time, like we expect um as kids for our parents to show us the way and to help us grow. And whether or not your kid listens to you or hangs out with you all the time or is close with you or has that relationship, they still expect that to be treated like an adult or like a person. And if your kid doesn't treat you like a person or disrespects you or, you know, hides in their room or seems down sad or seems like, you know, they're just retaliating, that's just them. And like you did that at some point in your life too. And you have to realize like, hey, and like you can have a sit down conversation. I've had conversations with my mom when I'm the kid and I've talked to my mom and pulled her aside and I said, you know, mom, like when we're fighting or something, I say, mom, we're the same person. This argument is literally going to go nowhere. And she kind of like takes a deep breath. She's like, I know, I understand that. And I'm like, great. So let's just come to terms with that right now and stop fighting about it because it's not going to change any time in the next five minutes by yelling the same things over and over. But I also think that, um, that it's very important for kids and for parents to have that conversation of, Hey, like I'm trying to be an adult and a parent to you. Um, I'm not your best friend. I, I want you able to be able to come and tell me things. But there has to be a boundary, like a line drawn in the sand, and that all starts with the communication. So parents need to talk to their kids and say, like, you know, okay, let's say, like, your kid or you're the kid that is really good with your parents or, like, has the ability to do whatever you want with your parents. Like, you go drink or whatever, and your parents don't care. They just say, hey, like, as long as you call us whenever you need a ride, we're fine. That's awesome that you have that, you know, that 
relationship with your parents to be able to feel like comfortable in that aspect. Now let's go. Okay. That's one end of the spectrum. And in that side a of the spectrum where, you know, you're very comfortable with your kid and like you guys are basically like attached at the hip and like super chill and cool. There still needs to be the boundary of like, okay, I'm your parent, but I'm not your best friend. And if there's ever like an issue with that, like, oh, well, you know, I don't know. There's always, there's always got to be a boundary somewhere between your parent or being a parent to your child and then being like your child's best friend. Um, and then the other side of the spectrum is, you know, you yell at your kid, you tell your kids they can't do this, they can't do this, they can't do this. And they retaliate because that's what kids do and that's what people do. Whenever you tell them no, they want to do it anyway or they want to do it even more. So that's side B of the spectrum. And so they are scared, number one, to tell you how they feel or what they want to do with their life. Because number one, you're going to judge them, scream at them, yell at them, um, hold things over them, all those things. And you basically don't have that conversation or that relationship with them to even build up from there. So I really don't know how to explain it better than bottom line. You need to have that conversation with your kids, no matter what relationship you have, that there's always that boundary. Like, Hey, I just want to remind you, like go in your kid's room right now while they're laying in bed, playing video games or while they're on the couch, like on their phone or whatever, text them, say, Hey, like, can we have a serious count or like, can we have a talk? Like whenever you get home or whatever and say, listen, like sit them down and be like, I just want to let you know that I do love you and appreciate you. And I know I don't say it enough because really as parents, do we ever say it enough? Probably not. I'm not even a parent. I have two turtles. Those are my kids. I don't even tell them enough. So I can already tell you, you probably don't say it enough either. But anyway, (laughs) um, (coughs) I think that it's important to have that conversation where you sit down and say like, Hey, like, I know I don't tell you enough, but I do want you to know that I believe in you and I love you and I appreciate you and you're very strong and blah, 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 be mushy, gushy, whatever. Um, or you can just say like, Hey, I just want to let you know, like, you know, if you ever need anything, I hope that you know that you can come to me. That statement, just that last statement I said alone can literally shift any relationship into like the next level um because all all kids want to do like do is be able to have like that parent that they can feel comfortable with like no kid wishes that their parents weren't with them or that they didn't have parents or that they could move out no kid wishes that from birth like there has to be reasoning and if you're over invading or like sheltering them or on the opposite spectrum you're neglecting them or and you don't have to neglect, neglect is not just like, oh my gosh, I'm not feeding my kid or I'm like, you know, I'm, you know, hitting my kid or abuse. Like, it's not just that. It's also, do I communicate with my kid on a daily basis? Do I have reasonable expectations with my kid where they would be willing to do something for me if I did this for them too? Like, am I willing to do certain things for my kid, even though I know I won't do it for them? Or are they willing to do certain things for me, even though I know I won't do that for them? Like having that expectation, like your kids owe you something, first of all, that's the worst mindset I've ever had from parents ever. 
Your kids don't owe you anything. Just saying that right now. Period. Your kids don't owe you anything. And you know what? You don't owe anything to your kids either. Your family. Your main priority is to keep each other happy, healthy, and safe. That is it. Bottom line. Um, I remember one time I was like asking my mom for allowance. I was like, well, you owe me. And then like they went off on me. They're like, we don't owe you anything. Like blah, 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 blah. You're, you don't owe your kids anything. You're absolutely right. My parents were right. But at the same time, they also pulled that double standard of you owe us for this. You owe us, blah, blah, blah. Like we're paying your college tuition. Er, no. You cannot hold something like that over your kid's head unless they legitimately owe you money. Like because of finances that you helped with and you had that, that conversation of like, hey, like I'm lending you money and I need you to pay it back at some point in time. Otherwise, unless that conversation is had, you don't owe them anything and they don't owe you anything at all whatsoever. Like that is the most infuriating conversation I've ever had with my parents was, you know, the fact that they always held things over my head and, um, made me feel guilty. Like I owed them something like I had to pay my dues, not only just in cash return, but in babysitting or in doing things for them around the house or whatever. I mean, having that structure and that, again, communication and relationship from day one of being like, hey, we're a family. Can you help me out with something really quick? That kind of thing. Absolutely. That's that's how you go about it. You don't say, you know what? Your job in this house is to do this. That's what you're like as a as part of this family, you need to do this. I've never understood that mindset. I think it's uh, uh, sorry. <clears throat> I think it's a very toxic and um, messed up way to think about having a family like your family is not there to pay you your family is not there they don't owe you anything other than unconditional love and support and you know what the amount of families that I've heard they owe me or I'm paying for them or in this house or they judge what they say and they have zero support they have zero emotional connection and they don't communicate any of those things like that is mind-bottling to me. How can you say any of those things to your child or to your parent? Like you, uh, it just, it's like gut-wrenching. Like when I'm saying it, does it not make your blood boil or like your skin crawl that people are willing to hold things over their like parents or their child's head for money and they're not even being given con- unconditional love and support? That's all, that's all anyone needs. That's literally all family is. Like, even, even if you're blood-related or not, like, step-parents, step-children, half-blood, what, like, whatever, adopted, any of it. It's an umbrella effect. All of it needs to be, like, family equals unconditional love and support. And if you don't have that, then they don't, like, uh-uh. Absolutely not. Okay, I'm supposed to play Among Us with people right now, so I'm going to go. But, and Claire's been FaceTiming me a lot. But I just wanted to quickly talk about that really quick because it is something that's on my mind. And I did witness it. And I'm sorry, my literal thoughts are just, like, splattered all all over the floor and all over the wall. It's, like, a massacre of my thoughts all over the place. But 
hopefully you took something from it. Um, I don't mean for this to start any arguments. I, I, I want you guys to have that meaningful, you know, conversation with your family. And like, if you initiate it and there's no, no change or it turns into a fight or it goes, you know, downhill from there, I think that you have your answer, but you can't change anybody and their mindsets. Um, they have to be willing to change themselves. So I hope that you guys do have a meaningful conversation with your, your children or with your parents about, Hey, like, I know you don't know, or like, I don't tell you enough, but I do love you. Um, I do support you and I, um, I'm here if you need anything at all. And I hope you know that. And to actually mean that, I hope that everyone has that conversation at some point with their kids one day um, because it's what we all want and need to hear every now and then um, just as like a little reminder. Okay, well, have a great, great day or night, everybody. I'm going to play Among Us and then go to bed. Um, as always, feel free to email realthingspodcast um, at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, or insight. Bye.